What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. This is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast. Candace is still with us. She's not with us tonight. She will be back, hopefully, the first post game following the All Star break. So, Isaac, let, let's start off with have you seen all the videos and stuff of like 12 Ski Mountain and all that? <laughs> like, Nike is going ham. Man. For this new shoe release, and and I love it. I saw some fans that were salty. They're like, "Man, he's a grizzly player, and they're letting all these people in Utah getting first dibs." And da da. Like, okay, I I can kind of see your point. Like, I get that. I can. I'm not really gonna get behind it, but I can understand where you're coming from. But as a Grizzlies fan, if you've been around this team specifically if you've been a Grizzlies fan from day one when they moved into the pyramid, after all the stuff that you've been through, to see a player from this franchise getting that kind of hype, that's got to get you excited. Got to. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you, man. I, I love it. I mean, I it's just the real. Uh, me being a guy who, like you said, day one fan going back to, to the pyramid days, man, I, I never dreamed that we'd have a player of this magnitude to have something going on like this at the all-star game. I mean, this is like, I get the sentiments that people say they wish this was going on in Memphis. And I'm sure Nike is going to do something here, here in Memphis. Uh, I mean, he's a Memphis Grizzly he plays for the Grizzlies. I'm sure there's going to be something for the launch here in Memphis, but to have that, uh, because that's more, oh, that's on a national stage. I mean, people are seeing this all around the country, the videos. I mean, and that's super cool. Like I have no idea how, how they put that together. It's like a building, completely made of ice like I, I don't know how they keep that stopping from melting i don't know how it's not freezing cold when you go in there but super cool when you buy like the pair of the shoes that comes down like the ski lift thing and slides down the ice i mean it's a, it's amazing to see man i'm so happy that we have a, a player of that magnitude finally here in the city a, a true superstar i mean we've had really good players uh grit and crying days you're talking about guys like zach randolph mike Conley. Tony Allen, Marcus All, but none of those guys ever registered nationally and around the world like the way John Morant is a global superstar. I mean, you go overseas um, and people talk about about John Morant. Um, it's just ama- just amazing to see uh, something like this. I just never thought we'd see this, man, and it's it's awesome. And those midnight twelves, that colorway, man, with the Swarovski crystals uh, in, oh, in the swoosh, man, it's just. Just off the chain, man. I'm I'm excited, man. I can't wait till those things get released. Definitely gotta get a pair of those midnight twelves for sure. Yeah, what's the there, there's one, is it are they called the claw? I don't know what colorway it is, but it's got kind of it looks like the claw mark yeah. issue. Yeah, with I the turquoise remember. kind of matches the old old grizzly yeah. uniform. Yeah. Man, no, I, the, those like before the midnight came out, I'm like, those are the ones that I'm getting. Like those things I just I love I like the shoe design, period. I don't care what colorway I get. I'm but I know for sure I'm gonna get some of the ones I think they call it the claw or slash. I think it's a slash. Yeah, slash. I think that's and, it. Yeah. And then uh the the midnight, man. Like I I hope so I saw like it looked like they were selling for two fifty. Yeah, but, I was hearing people like, were saying four hundred is what I was hearing, but they uh yeah, I like mean, the sneaker news article. The sneaker news article showed that they were gonna be like four hundred on drop. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's rough, but that's okay. I've spent that much money on shoes before. Yeah. And this so is for Grizzlies players. So yeah. 
That, those yeah, that's but, one. If I end up having to spend four hundred for them, they're not going to come out very often, but they're going to be in the collection for sure. So yeah, I was going to say shout out to my guy Devin Walker, man. Grass City Media, they've been all all over that. Um, and they, yeah, they he had put a video out today with the the sheet of everything they were selling in there, and I was surprised to see two fifty because I was hearing four four fifty on drop for the midnight twelves and. Man, um, Icebox uh, had a collaboration with Nike, and they presented John Brent with the with his little symbol, the chain with black diamonds, mm. and the the box. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was. man, <laughs> man, man, he, he was excited. So man, it was just so crazy to believe that this guy plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. Man, it, it, it's awesome to see. All right, so this is going to be sort of your two thirds of the way through the season. This is going to be we're going to call it like a first half wrap up. We'll talk a little bit about the game against the Jazz. The Memphis Grizzlies did win their last game to close out the before the break, 117 to 111 over the Utah Jazz. That game got a little bit hairy, though. That that game, I, I call it, Isaac says this pretty frequently, but I, I like the term playing with your food. It really yeah. felt like that's what was going on. The Grizzlies got out to a big lead, I think 24. They led by as much as 24 in this game. And the Jazz were in it at the end. That's something that we have seen from this team on multiple occasions this year. And so I don't want to, I don't want this episode to be a bash fest because we've had enough of those, right? We we've had during the losing streak and all the stuff that we've seen, we've had plenty of things to bash this team about. But that's something that is scary going into the remainder of this season. What are they going to be able to do? Are they going to be able to figure something out? Or, or is, is this going to be something because of the moves that they made that we're going to have to deal with for the remainder of this season? Yeah, it's definitely become a thing. Uh, I mean, every game, it seems like you get in the game, they go get a double-digit lead. I mean, they get out and run. And it seems like, I don't know if the other team kind of settles in and figures out what they're doing. Uh, but it just seems like every time they get out to these big leads in the first quarter, uh, they, they really struggle in the second quarter. And it, it just becomes nip, nip and tuck, and sometimes they're not able to overcome it. Uh, against Utah, uh, this was a Utah team without Laurie Markkinen. Uh, they were able to, to overcome it, but it definitely got scary there for a while. I think we've seen this all year, but I think it's definitely worse without Steven Adams. And I think one reason for that is it's the, the discrepancy in three-point shooting and them not getting offensive rebounds. Usually – almost every night teams are going to outshoot the Grizzlies from three. Uh, but the way that they kind of make up for that, scoring in the paint, getting offensive rebounds, getting second-chance points. And when you don't have Steven Adams in there getting those offensive rebounds, like they got beat up on the boards in this game. I mean, it's 61 to 46. Uh, they're minus 15 on the boards um, in this game. And they also got beat in the paint in this game, which is something that you hardly ever see from this team, 58 to 48. So they're minus 10 in the paint as well. That's not – Grizzlies basketball. Uh, if they're not scoring in the paint and they're not getting second chance points, they're going to have a hard chance, time beating you. I think in this game, it was they were able to overcome it because it's just a talent discrepancy between the two teams. But if they had been playing somebody that was better than Utah, they probably lose that game. Um, and well, a lot of that has to do. Go, go ahead. Utah was healthy. You know, Colin Sexton yeah. went out early in this game. Then Lori Markin was out. So if Utah's healthy, Utah might may have won this game. Yeah, if you have marketing in this game, I think it makes it completely different. You're talking about an all-star uh, that, that's missing out of this game. Uh, I, I think it's definitely different, and they got to get Steven Adams back. Um, I mean, he's not going to fix all of this. I mean, the, the perimeter defense 
has been bad all year. Um, and I think it's a lot of people, and I've had a lot of conversations about this for people, and, and a lot of people try to discredit it like it's not an issue because when they're winning games, it looks good. It, but the problem is the reason why it, it's always a problem is just that usually the Grizzlies, when they win, they usually win big. And when they have these big leads, you just got to ignore it. They're still giving up a lot of threes. They're just, you're up by 25. It doesn't really matter that you're giving up all these threes. Um, if, if you watch closely, it's a, it's a problem even in wins. And I think it's a personnel issue. A lot of people think it, it's a schematic issue. And I think they, they kind of link together. Um, I think they don't, people talk about the overhelp and they definitely do that. But I think the reason why they overhelp so much is because they don't have the defensive personnel. These guys are scared that they're going to, they're going to get beat off the dribble. So they overhelp. And I think Taylor Dinkins might scheme them to overhelp just because he doesn't trust them not to get beat off the dribble because outside of Dylan Brooks, they don't really have guys that are going to be guys that are night in and night out basis. They're going to play really, really good perimeter defense. I mean, we got guys that are okay. There are times where Desmond Bain plays pretty good perimeter defense, but you talk about guys like Santi, he doesn't have the foot speed to kind of recover in those types of situations. And they just don't have the personnel. And that's an issue that I think, I don't know if they can really fix that. The only thing they can do is get Steven Adams back and continue to try to get those second chance points and, and score in the paint with him opening up those driving lanes. And that's kind of the way they can combat that. But it, it's going to be an issue. Teams are going to shoot threes and knock down threes on them. And, and you were talking during the game that you were, that you were going to kind of count how many open threes you get. I mean, it's over and over again, like a broken record. I mean, you see it time and time again, guys just wide open or just kind of poking, um, uh, uh, jump outs on, on guys, but teams have like lit them up all year. Like even in wins, that's what I've kind of told people that even even when things are going good, that's been a problem for this team uh, pretty much all season. Yeah, so I I didn't get the first quarter. I I picked it up with about six minutes to go in the second, and for the remainder of the game, six minutes to go in the second for the rest of the game. The Jazz had 13 either lightly contested or wide-open three-point shots. And that's just – you can't have that. Now, if it is scheme, right, so I'll go back to something where I was mistaken when JV was on this team and they were playing drop and we saw him – getting absolutely cooked with mid-range jumpers. Like, it was painful to watch. He was getting wore out because he was dropping 10 feet off of a guard because he didn't want to give up a shot at the rim. And I'm like, what in the hell is he doing, man? Why is he dropping that far? Contest it. Brevin Knight came on the show and he said, listen, I know that that looks bad. I agree that that looks bad, but he's doing exactly what coach wants him to do because he wants them a lightly contested mid-range jumper is a better shot than him getting to the rim. And it made sense after that. So if there's something in the scheme that is leading to this, I don't feel like it's working very well, but it's hard to watch that like this with them being so bad on perimeter defense. It's very, very hard to watch. And as the league is shooting threes 
if the analytics are changing to where, okay, I'd rather you shoot this wide open three, it's news to me. I've not heard anything about it. And so I, I, I can't see where it would be beneficial to be playing off of these guys the way that they are. Kelly Olenek missed a lot of threes. Kelly Olenek himself had like six wide open threes. Yeah, wide open. And he, he missed. Wide has open. Like, I don't know how many did Olenek miss. He, he was three for seven. And uh, I, I got sure, sure three for eight. Jordan Clarkson was two for nine from, from three. Like, if these guys make one or two more of these, the Grizzlies lose this game. And I know ifs and buts, yada, yada, yada. I, I get all of that. But this is another one of those things where it looks awful. Is it a scheme? Does he want them overhelping? Because a lot of times what happens when you watch these defensive breakdowns, these guys, I feel like they ball watch too much. I feel like they lose their man too much. And when that happens, they're not effectively closing out on these threes, and these guys are getting good looks. You're seeing teams shoot the three more because they say analytically, if you're getting good looks from three, that's a better shot to take. Why are you not adjusting your defense to correct this? Yeah, and, and that's why, again, that's why I think it has to be him telling them that it has to be a scheme thing because there's no way that he's watching this night in, night out. It, it, even though, like you said, it's still not working even what he's doing. But I don't. there's no way that he's seeing them get lit up from three like this night in and night out and he's not something to change that. I just don't think he trusts his guys defensively enough to do it. So he's telling them to overhelp, but the overhelping is not working either. So I think eventually you need to try it the other way and see how, how that works. Because uh, I, I don't think we've seen that. But I, I definitely think it, it's he's telling them to do it, but I think he's telling them to do it because he just doesn't trust them not to get beat off the dribble. Uh, but it, it's an issue. It, it's definitely an issue. And I don't think Again, I don't think that's something that's going to solve. I think Steven Adams helps in kind of in the ways that I talked about, about getting offensive rebounds and, and them getting more shots up. Because, I mean, you even look in this game, uh, they, the Grizzlies got 107 shots up in this game through 91 uh, for, for Utah. And, and I think that even even then, it's still only a six-point game. So, I mean, like you said, those guys hit a couple more of those shots and you lose this game. It, it's, it's, and, it, and, again, this is a, a Utah team who – Probably might probably might not even make the play in, and they're they're down. They're starting point guard and Clark Sexton, and also Laurie Markin, who's all star, and you still almost lose this game. So it's it's not a good trend. I know you wanted to kind of win at least two or three of the last game. You lose at Boston, you beat Minnesota and Utah, but I didn't feel good. This is a win, but I didn't feel good at all coming out of this game. You go ahead to get the W, but there's a lot of things underneath that that are still big problems and big question marks going into the break with this team. I know Taylor Jenkins is talking about not having a lot of practice time here as of late, uh, but they definitely have some things to work through. Steven Adams will help, but he's not going to solve all of these issues. Because again, these are things, even when they were winning all those games, when they went on the was 11 game winning streak, I, I kept saying, and, and, and me and Candace were talking about this uh, off the air, that they still, there's still a lot of things that are being covered up by these wins. It looks good because they're up by 25, but if you look at some of the things defensively, some some late-game execution stuff, there's a lot of things that are still question marks that are, that are going to rear their ugly head at times. And when that, that losing streak came up, all of those things kind of came to a head and things that had been masked all year uh, from when they were having more success earlier, they were still there. Um, and you just saw them. It, it, 
tightens them when, when they're losing games. So there's definitely some things, some question marks going into the break. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, they, they have to. The one thing that I have noticed on a regular basis that Steven Adams does that nobody else on this team does, putting a body on somebody, finding an offensive player when they're on the defensive end, finding somebody on the other team, and putting a body on them. Steven Adams, a lot of times on the defensive end of the floor when the shot goes up, he's pushing his guy under the basket or he's driving him out to where either he can go and get the rebound himself or somebody somebody else to get it. Like let somebody else get there. And so letting, letting them get it. I won't say letting them not controlling the defensive rebounds allows teams to get second chance points. You look at that. The jazz had 15 offensive rebounds in this game, and if I'm not mistaken, in the the game previous to this, the Grizzlies got tore up on the offensive oh, glass. Yeah, yeah. And the, the Jazz had Boston. 18 second-chance points. The Grizzlies led them in that category, but if you're not going to outshoot teams from three, yeah, you've got to control the game there, and they just haven't been doing that. So let, let's turn the page from this game. Let's kind of do a, a first half, even though it's more than a half. First half in review. And the first thing I want to hear from you, Isaac, who is the player in the first half of this season that has impressed you the most? But it, it, it's no question. Um, Slim Spain, man, Santi Aldama, his, 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 his maturation process. I mean, even going back to to Utah Summer League, I mean, he still looked like deer in headlights, questioning whether this guy was an NBA player. Um, and you go into to Las Vegas, um, and, and he, he struggled there early, uh, but but he got better um, as the Las Vegas Summer League went on. And by the end of Las Vegas Summer League, I was like, okay, uh, Jaron's going to be out for at least a month. Uh, are you thinking of maybe, maybe even longer, but at least a month? I, I feel confident that he can fill in and, and, and do a decent enough job to to kind of get you get you through. But I mean, he's blown past that. Like I never. I thought, I thought that he could develop into a guy that could come off the bench and maybe knock down a couple of shots for you here and there. But I, I never thought you'd see him defending at the rim, the the swagger that he that he has. I mean, he's become a, a pretty good good three point shooter outside of that Boston game. I don't know what was going on there, man, but he's been he's shoots the basketball really well and competently. Like I never I, I didn't think he'd be a guy. He didn't show the signs of having being a guy that had confidence, man. He's trying to dunk on people now. He's Going out there, like I guess the the culture of this team and kind of how how they feel confident and swag is is is, is uh, rubbed off on him because he's probably one of the swaggiest guys on this team. Like he's talking to my he has some moxie out there. So I, I really love his game and just didn't see this much coming from him. Like I, I didn't even think he would be this player at his peak and to see how quickly it it, it come to it came together. Um, you, I've criticized his coaching staff at times for for some things. Um, but player development is definitely not one of them. I mean, he just seemed to flip a switch overnight, man. And I've been super impressed by him. And I think that's a, another hit by this front office. I mean, people were during summer league were kind of already declaring as a miss, man. And he just turned it on and, and became more of a player than I thought he'd ever would be. So definitely, definitely the most impressive player to me has definitely been Slim Spain, Sunday Aldama, man, hands down. Yeah, I, I like that pick. Um, I, I went a different route and – for slightly different reasons, honestly. I, I'm I agree with everything you said about Santi. I, I was not one that was ready to kind of roll 
and I understood where people were coming from, but yeah, I was kind of kind of in between on them, but like yeah. I, I've witnessed, I've witnessed players struggle early and then figure it out later on in their career, and and I always go like this may not be the best example, but I always go to Julius Randle on this. Julius Randle played about six or seven years in the league before he really figured it out. And then he just kind of took off and he, and he got to all-star level. And so like being out on a guy after one or two bad years. Mike Conley is another example. Yeah. Like age makes a difference, but you know, as Santi's age, being out on a guy that young, that quick, I just there's cases where that's the right play, but I, I'm I hesitate to pull the trigger on that. So I, I do like that pick. For me, I went with Jaron. And and the reason yeah. I went with Jaron is he he's found we have wanted to see him find another level. And I feel like he has found that this year. I don't think that we've seen the best version of Jaron Jackson Jr. yet. And he makes he's you know first time all star that that's huge that's like that's something we're I'm going to talk more about that a little bit later but these are all things that he's doing at a career best this year points per game uh, points per game blocks steals rebounds and personal fouls all of those things are career best he's shooting thirty six percent from three and he's over fifty percent from the field. He hasn't been over 50% from the field since his rookie season when he was in a far lesser role. So we've watched him. We know that Jaron can shoot the three, but he is picking his spots now. He's getting the ball. He's getting downhill. When he gets a smaller man on him and he gets the ball, it's barbecue chicken. And there were there was a time when that was not happening with Jaron Jackson Jr. There was a time where when he would get the ball and he had that mismatch, he was settling and he's yeah. not doing that anymore. And that's been the difference. The rebounding is huge. You need him because there's going to be times when Steven Adams gets played off the floor and Jaron is going to have to play your five. Then you need him to rebound. And he's been stepping up in that aspect. The muscle that he's put on his frame has helped with that. But I, I think this is a big leap for him going from a player that we thought had the all-star talent. He's getting the all-star bid this year, but I think even though he's getting that all-star bid, this is still not the best version of Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, he, he definitely would have been my second choice. And I started to go with him and I agree with everything that you, that you said. Uh, I think the biggest thing with him is just confidence. Uh, you talk about those mismatches last year. He was, he just seemed tentative and hesitant to, to kind of kind of fully unleash on, on the offensive end. Uh, there were times where he that moves and he just kind of go up soft. And now he's when when he sees those mismatches, he puts Zed down. He's attacking, attacking. I still think there's more that that needs to be unlocked from his coaching staff and for him and John. It's been better. It's been the best that it's been uh, this year. But I still think there's a lot more, even more. So as you said, to unlock there with Jaron. Uh, but I just love what we're seeing from him. I mean, you. The true unicorn. I mean, you talk about that game against Utah. He almost did something in that game that's never been done in NBA history. And it was uh, no player had ever had five threes, five rebounds, and five, I mean, five threes, five blocks, and five steals in a game. Um, and he almost got there. Uh, he had, what he had, five blocks, 
uh, five five rebounds, four steals, four threes. Uh, so he was a steal and a, uh, a a steal and a block and a three away from doing that. I was kind of surprised, but they say nobody in the league, in history has ever done that. They were talking about it on the podcast, and he was right there doing that. Um, so I'm just excited to see him make the All Star team. Um, I think it's well deserved, and the reason why I'm so excited about it because it he's an All Star in the truest sense. Usually these type of things go with the popularity contest. It's the, uh, the, who's the name value. They don't usually value. I mean, we've seen it at times. Draymond's been an all-star, but a lot of times they don't value impact and, and see what a guy really does and how important he is for the team. And that's what Jared is. Jared might not have the eye popping numbers. He's not averaging 25 a game, uh, 12 rebounds and doing all that, man. But his impact on the defensive end um, and what he does for this team, I'm just so glad to see him get rewarded for that because you see a lot of guys like that that don't get their reward. Um, And I had no expectations going in to kind of the announcements. Um, I I remember I had just got home, wasn't even paying attention, and it came across the the, the wire, uh, the the All-Star West Reserves. I was kind of looking at it like, read all. let's see who the reserves are, man. I got to that last name, and I I, I, actually jumped out of my seat. That's how excited I was to see Jared on that list. I mean, it's just big time for him. Uh, big time for this franchise, and as you said, I don't, I don't, still don't think that we've seen his top tier. I, I think there's another level he can get to, uh, but I think a lot of that has to do with with Jai and, and his coaching staff continuing to put him in those positions for success. Uh, but I mean, he's been fantastic to watch. Uh, and one of my, like I said, I love watching him, watching him on a night in and night out basis. Um, it's fun when you see him get going. I mean, what he does on the defensive end, then comes back down. And, and does the things on the offensive end, man. He's just super, super fun to watch, man. So excited about him, and, and I agree with you, man. Definitely been a, a, a leap for him this season, and I think there's even more to go. All right, so we're going to shift from the one that impressed you the most to the one that has been underwhelming or the most disappointing this season. And I can go yeah. first here if you want me to. It doesn't matter. But I, I'll go ahead and go. I think – um for me, this this one was kind of tough because some of the guys that that a lot of people had high expectations for, I didn't have as high as expectations. Uh, was you talking about uh, John Conchar or, or the rookies going into the season? Because I kind of felt like people had too high of expectations for those guys, uh, and I think the front front office had high expectations of you see the, the extension that they gave John Conchar. I don't think this was the type of season they expected from him. I think they expected more out of him to be able to step up in the role. Uh, for when, when you're letting some of those other vet guys go, he was put into a, a higher role and, and early on in the season played really well, but I think he kind of leveled off and kind of turned into kind of what he is um, here, here as of late, a, a guy that can, can be a good player for you at times, spot minutes and here and there, but he's not a player that if you're dependent on him to do these things night in and night out basis, there are going to be times that he's going to let you down. Um, the guy that I'm going to go with is, is Zaire Williams. Um, I know the front office and a lot of fans expected him. They saw what happened with Desmond Bain from year one to year two. And I think a lot of people were expecting that kind of leap. I thought he would take a leap, but I didn't think necessarily think it was going to be that level of leap. But I think even so, I mean, seeing what he did last year, um, coming back from that injury last year, sitting on the bench, uh, just watching, watching some basketball, came back um, and showed a lot of improvements to the point to where he was playing playoff minutes. Um, and now you fast forward to here in February, uh, 2023, and he's in the G League. 
Like, I, I didn't think we'd see that. Like, I, I thought maybe there would be some struggles. There would be times where he kind of showed that he had matured a little bit, but I didn't think we'd see him in the G League. Um, and I think that's a big question mark for the second half for this team. And I, we're going to talk about, I know, the playoff rotations and stuff like that later on. But that this team, as, as it's made up right now, they need him to be productive. Um, and right now, man, we, what we've seen from him, it just does not look good. Was that the injury? He's still kind of in his head trying to figure out his role. They're going to need him to be good down the stretch. And, uh, and we're gonna again, we're going to talk about this. But he's a guy that I think that they would like to be in their playoff rotation. And, and right now, he just doesn't look like a guy that can, that can do that. And, and I think I was watching one of the Memphis Hustle the other night, and I don't know if they're doing a great job. He's still kind of doing some of the same things he was doing here, just kind of standing around in the corner. I, I think they need to put him in some more positions, handling the basketball, going to the rack. He's just kind of doing some of the same things he's doing up with the big club. And I don't know if that's exactly what he needs right now. So that that's going to be interesting. But he's the guy, I think, if there's going to be somebody that's disappointed, I think just from the level that he was at last year to seeing where he's at now, I think that you can't help but to say that you're a little bit disappointed in, in where he's at at this point. Yeah, I went with the same same person. I took Z as well. Yeah, everything is down, like across the board. I think the only thing when you're looking stats-wise for him, and I don't even have it up anymore. I, I switched pages. I was looking at something else for Steve-O. But – Everything from him is down, and, and I don't get this G League stint. I know that he was struggling, but you allowed him to play through it last season. You allowed him to stay up and be one of the worst rotation players in the league last season, and this year you send him to the G League. The tactics just make me question things, and I I – said it before the trade deadline and I'll say it going into the off season, Zach Kleiman will not trade Zaire Williams unless he is landing a bona fide star. It will not happen. That was his guy. He had said that he's a multi-year project. He's not just going to roll on him. So as Grizzlies fans, I, you know, you, you got to embrace him. He's going to be on your team. They're not going to get rid of him. So you, you got to love him through this stuff, man. Like, it's tough to watch. You want to see him bounce back. We saw him be a positive impact player heading into the playoffs. In the playoffs, he was not. His differential, he was a negative 7.7 in the playoffs in the minutes that he played. But the fact that he was even playing playoff rotation minutes after the way he started last season was a miracle in and of itself. So definitely disappointed with him. My favorite moment, I, I'm not going to add anything because a lot of the points that I had written down, you you touched on them already. So we're just going to move on to the next thing that I had on the list. Again, this is the uh, Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast we're talking about. But, you know, first half of the season wrap-up, like our, our favorite, this is going to be our favorite moment. For me, you actually broke the news to me. I was busy working when they announced the All-Star Reserves but the fact that this team has two all-stars man it's crazy is, it's it's great like we all as grizzlies fans we know that jaron deserves it but the fact that both of these guys are getting national attention and i've even heard a number of national media analysts say desmond bain had he not been injured and missed time yeah he i was think they another have three one. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it, it's which is that's just three, man. That would have just been like oh. man, for a small market team like like the Grizzlies, three all stars. Like like if you had if you if you had told me five, six years ago that this team would one day have three all stars, I would like say, man, you crazy. You crazy as hell. There's no way this team would have three all stars. But I think if Desmond Bain had been healthy and, and stayed on kind of that track he was early in the season, I think they wouldn't have had any choice but to have three. That's insanity, man. Uh, the, the fact that you have, and I, I think, like you said, we all know here in Memphis that this team really has three all-stars on them. And, it, and when you have those three all-stars, that foundation, you just got to find a way to build around it, man. But you you have three guys in place right now, man. I think that, that are going to be good for you for years to come. I think that you have that base to just, got to make the right moves around them, man, and try to build this into a championship team. So, Isaac, what, what's your favorite moment so far this season? Oh, man, this is a tough one, man. I, I, it's kind of a, a cop-out, but it's going to be a, a, a group of moments. The 11-game winning streak, I think, is the the biggest moment for me. Uh, just seeing this team, how good of a basketball they were playing during this streak, man. It was just, just amazing to watch. Um them go on a streak like that and I think that shows you the potential of this basketball team uh what what they can do when things are right when things are clicking and that's what you want to see uh here here down the stretch man you just want to see them get get back to that you know it's there uh the west is going to be tougher but one thing about these teams it's going to take some time I mean who we're going to see what happens with Kevin Durant he's not healthy right now but it's going to take some time with Phoenix I mean they have a lot of new faces they also added a lot of other guys around the edges. So they got a lot of stuff to kind of work through there. Their bench has kind of been thinned out. Uh, with Dallas, they gave a lot of, a lot of their defense away um, in, in their trade for Kyrie Irving. So those teams are going to have some things to work through. You've even seen it with Dallas already. I think they've lost more games than they've won uh, since they've gotten Kyrie Irving. So I think that 11-game winning streak for me just showed the potential of this team when, when they're at their best. They somehow got away from that, and then the Stephen Adams injury didn't help at all. Uh, but you hope you can get back to that. But that those were good times, man. This team were rolling. Everybody was feeling good, and you just want to get back to that. But, but that's probably my favorite, of, kind of a cop-out, like you said, a lot of moments, but my favorite yeah. time from, from the first half of the season. No, that works, man. I, I, I can dig it. That's uh, It was definitely fun during that time. You know, it, it's – but even then, you know, you, you talked about we saw some stuff where they were kind of getting away with things. And yeah. Like, mm, okay, oh, for sure. At some point, we're going to see that uh, kind of rear its head. Unfortunately, we have. But uh, let, let's move on from there. Next thing, who who or what is going to be the X factor for you for this team moving forward through the rest of the season? Man, I think the biggest thing is, and, and we've touched on this before uh, earlier, Steven Adams. Getting Steven Adams back, hopefully he when, when he comes back, he's – the same guy doesn't have too much of a kind of a wrap up period to try to get back to the level of basketball he was playing uh, because he he's just so important to this team. People talk about him being the best offensive rebounder uh, in, in the NBA, but that's not even close to the only way he impacts this basketball team. You you talked about it earlier about him uh, moving guys out of the way, making it easier for himself to get rebounds, other guys on the team. Uh, and that leads to the offensive rebounder, but the, the driving lanes that he opens up, I think we've seen, doing this, this downturn where Josh gets, he gets to the rim, but he's struggling to finish. And a lot of it has to do with those lanes aren't as clean without Steven Adams. The playmaking, uh, the screen setting, like you said, he just means so much for this team offensively. And for them being a team that's challenged from, from shooting from the perimeter, 
and other teams are kind of teeing off on them. They need those second-chance points and those offensive rebounds and those easier scores and scores in the paint to kind of combat some of that. And that's what they missed, I think, during this losing streak, even though they were struggling even before Stephen Adams got hurt. But, I mean, that made it even worse. And I think you see it now, the impact he's had on this team. I've even talked to Steve Adams. Stephen Adams doesn't get near the credit that he deserves. Because, I mean, when you look at, when you look at impact, kind of the same way I talked about Jaron and how much impact he has on his team, and that's kind of why he's an all-star. People think of, might think I'm crazy when I say this, but I feel like Stephen Adams, for what he does for this team, he should be in all-star conversation just because of how much he means to this team. I think you're seeing it. You're talking about a team that's second in the West, and he goes out and you see how much they're struggling in a lot of areas and it's directly tied towards him. To me, that in my eyes, that makes him a guy that should have all-star consideration. So he's absolutely huge for this team, and that's a, a question mark to get them to the playoffs because there are going to be times, as we said, that you might not be able to play them in game. So that's going to be an interesting question on how they – kind of deal with that and how they kind of navigate that. But for me, it's definitely getting Steven Adams back and, and and trying to get back to that good basketball they were playing and work on some of these issues. Again, they were, they've been issues even when they were winning, but there are things that they can work through. Um, there's, there's another big issue as well, but uh, we'll see, get, get your thoughts on, on what you think the X factor is. So actually I went with a, a group of players here. So you and probably I know, know the name of the player that I was that I'm, I was hitting at. So like I I went with the group and this is kind of this is my cop out. You know, you said you kind of had it on the moment <laughs> thing because I I battled with this. I agree with what you're saying about Stephen Adams, but I think that Adams is going to do what he does. So when he comes back, the expectations that we have for Adams, he's going to meet those. He's going to do what we think he's going to do. But the Grizzlies made this trade at the trade deadline to go out and address some shooting, the free throw shooting. They get Luke Kennard. So I almost just went with Luke Kennard as the X factor. But you don't trade for Luke Kennard because of what he can do defensively for you. So what he's going to be able to bring offensively is going to make a difference. And we're looking at you look at last year's playoff rotation. Last year's playoff rotation, John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., Stephen Adams, Brandon Clark, Tyus Jones, DeAnthony Melton, Kyle Anderson. That's your that's your playoff rotation from last year. So typically Taylor Jenkins is a ten, ten man rotation guy. I he's not gonna go ten man in the playoffs. You're gonna have eight or nine. And so what's going to have to happen, the production that we saw last year from Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton, it's going to fall on the shoulders of Luke Kennard, Santi Aldama, and Zaire Williams. We, We talked about Zaire being the most disappointing, but him getting out of this funk and, and figuring it out. I talked about everything, all of his stats, are lower than they were last year. He's shooting something like 27% from the three-point line. Just something awful. And I know that we don't have a history. Uh, Sorry, I was giving him too much credit. 24.7% from three. I know that we don't have a big sample size of him just cooking from three, but I believe that he is better than what he's playing right now. 
And so those guys, Santi, Luke Kennard, Zaire Williams, I think you're going to get what you expect from the rest of the players on this team. I think what you get from those guys is going to make the difference from a second round exit to a deep playoff run. Yeah, I had, I had that written down in my notes. Um, like, like you say, there, there were times where Taylor Jenkins, even in the playoffs, still played 10 guys, but I agree with you 100%. Those are the three guys I had that written down as we were going to talk about the playoff rotations a little bit later. I had that written down. Those three guys, Luke Kennard, Santi Aldama, and you hope Zaire Williams is back to a point to where you can actually put him in a game in the playoffs. Those are the three guys that are going to be the X Factor. I agree with you in the playoffs for sure. Like, you got to get the best of whatever those guys can give you. Um, and, and I love the Canard pickup. Uh, I mean, it just made a lot of sense. There's no reason not to do it. Uh, a lot of people were kind of poo-pooing the moves that, oh, what is this going to do for us? This doesn't move the needle. And I said okay, that I don't think it's going to move the needles for us, changing you a seed line or getting you back up to the one seed or anything like that. But there's just no reason not to do it. Um, he's a guy that can knock down three-pointers, which you struggle at. He's a guy that's 94-plus percent from the free throw line. Um, he's already paid dividends from there. I think he's perfect uh, from the line since he's been with the Grizzlies. And he's just another guy that you can put on the floor. Hopefully you see some more minutes with him and Bain on the floor at times that helps with that half-court offense. Um, and and that, that loosens things up for the driving stuff as well. So it's just I think he's a good, good fit for this team. I don't think he's going to make a huge difference. But as you said, I mean, you don't have the Anthony Melton anymore. You don't have Kyle Anderson. Luke Lard is essentially your backup shooting guard. So you're going to need him to 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 be at his max production. You're going to need Zion Williams back, and you're going to need to see what can Santi Aldama bring, what he has been bringing in the regular season to the playoffs. Because you don't know that. Playoffs are a different beat. Uh, a lot of times guys play pretty good off the bench in, in the regular season, and he gets to the playoffs, and something completely different. So it's going to be his first real experience getting minutes in the playoffs. So that, that's going to be important. I think Tyus Jones, uh, what was the guy that I that I that I wanted to mention earlier? Man, he's been. I don't, I don't know. A lot of people said it is him and his wife are about to have another baby, um, and maybe that's what's going on with him. But he's been struggling. Like I, I think I saw a stat. I think he's shooting thirteen percent from three over the last month, which he he was on fire from three early in the season. But he's just his offense is just completely gone in the tank, and they need him to, to score off the bench. Uh, BC is really taking up some flack. I mean, shout out to BC, man. He's been fantastic um, d- d- as of late, but they need Tyus Jones to get going. Uh, I mean, not having his scoring off the bench, I think, has been an undersold part of this downturn that they've had. I think that that's a big factor as well. So they need to get Tyus back going. But those three guys you mentioned, though, those they're definitely going to be big for this team. And I think what those guys do, along with Tyus Jones, this scoring is going to determine – what the ceiling for this team is once once they get in playoff basketball. I think depending on who your matchup is in the playoff, let's let's talk about Golden State specifically. The reason why I I almost went with Luke Kennard solely on this is because Golden State absolutely destroyed. I'd like made him, rendered him useless pretty much. Brandon Clark last year played him off the floor. They were whoever Brandon Clark was stuck on defensively. That man was running a ball screen to get a switch on the guard. 
I was getting so pissed <laughs> because dude, they were just switching it. They were giving every it time. to him every damn time. The, the he the no fighting over screens, no nothing. It was just an easy switch, and they were cooking him. They were breaking him down off of the dribble. And I love Brandon Clark. I, I've gassed him up so many times on this show. But MVP his, when they play against Minnesota, but <laughs> yeah, but his <laughs> lateral quickness against guards is not yeah. there. He's going to get cooked. So when you match up with a team like the Warriors, and they're doing that, get his ass off the floor. Let me see a lineup with John ja Morant. Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard, Dylan Brooks at the four, and Jaron at the five, then who in the hell are you going to have screen? Because it doesn't matter. Everybody on the floor can guard your shooters. Luke Kennard is not a uh, an elite defender by any stretch of the imagination, but he can stay in front of a guard better than Brandon Clark can. Yeah. And that's why I think that his role is going to be crucial. And if it's not Luke Kennard, if we get the version of Zaire Williams, because if we're talking about, okay, would we rather see Zaire if he is showing improvement getting these minutes, or would we rather see Luke Kennard? The answer to that question long-term is, is you want to see Zaire getting those minutes. So the hope is that Zaire is playing at a level that he can be the one getting those minutes. But with what he has shown this year, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Excuse me. Yeah, you need, you really need him to be that guy, as you said, because of the length that that he offers on the defensive end. Even even though he hasn't matured as a defensive player, just his length out there helps you um, in 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 that type of situation. So um, it's it's going to be crucial uh, when they get in the playoffs. You just hope Zaire kind of works through this, man. They're going to have a lot of practice time here before they play again next Thursday. Excuse me. Uh, so it, it's going to be. Uh, if, if they they got to get Zaire back going, man, I, because the wings on this team, I mean, that's that's the big issue. I, I think if when you talk about the issues on this team of uh, length and, and size on the wing is is their biggest issue uh, that they've got to look at in the offseason. I think that's why you saw them going after OG and Anobi and, and Mikael Bridges at the deadline because they know that they need to get bigger on the wing. Uh, but right now they have who they have, and you talk about Kennard. He no, he's not a good defensive player, but I I saw some things. From him, even in the Boston game, uh, he took took a couple of charges. Um, I mean, he he puts in effort. He's just yeah, like a, he's, not a guy that's physically that has those tools that is going to make him a great defender. But it's not because of lack of effort. I mean, he gets out there and, and tries. Uh, so it's better than, like you said, BC getting cooked out there time and time again, and you leaving him out there on the floor. I mean, he didn't even a lot of. And, and I don't I, I don't want to beat up on BC because I love him, but a lot with BC, a lot of it it doesn't seem like he didn't even put in the effort at times to. To kind of set screens, or <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it is, but yeah, man, they really figured that out early on in that series, and man, just cooked him over and over. When he's playing against Minnesota, man, he looks like best player in the league. But yeah, well, when you go against teams like Golden State, they, man, they just they don't get to that Golden out, State without BC. No, they don't get to no. Him. I mean, he was. But awesome when you in that got series. to that series, BC shouldn't have been on the floor. No, they should, kept playing him, man. And, and like I, I, I understand that your guy. He, he's a serviceable defender. Like he, he's, I, I don't want to make it out like he's some terror. Like he's not a traffic cone out there. But I, I'm just my point is that you didn't go and get him. He is not a DeAnthony Melton 
no. on defense. Like the Anthony, you Melton, get him for a shoot. You you can put him on somebody and he can lock them up. Kennard is not going to do that, but Kennard is also not going to be Trey Young on defense. So I'm I'm happy with it. I like the move that they made. It's one of those things that I, I didn't necessarily see that they were going to do it, but Kennard is a Duke guy. We know how Kleinman feels about that. We had, <laughs> you know, th- this team had at one point uh, Winslow, Grayson Allen, Tyus Jones. What do we have? There yeah. were like four or five Duke players on the roster at one point. So he doesn't mind going out and getting a player from Duke. And you see it again here with Luke Kennard. So hopefully it works out for the Grizzlies. So let, let's do this, and then we'll wrap it up. We, we, we're setting right about at the hour mark, so we may we may tick over it slightly. And we've been kind of touching on this, so we don't have to dive very deep. But we know Ja, Dez, uh, Dylan, Jaron, Steve-O, Tyus, and BC, those seven are playoff rotation guys. Do you think there's any chance that we see X in spots in that rotation? Who are your ten guys? And I think technically we've already kind of talked about them. Do you have anybody different? My 10 are those seven plus Kennard, Aldama, and Z. Yeah, that's who I have written down. I just think it depends on on, on matchups. If you have Jerry getting into foul trouble or or you have times where Steven Adams gets in, you get into a series and where he's getting kind of played off the floor, I think you can see X. I mean, one thing we know about Taylor Jenkins is he trusts X. He will He will put him out there like, he can be completely out of rotation for two months. And the next thing you know, he's getting he's back in the rotation getting minutes. So he's not not scared at all to deploy X if, if he's needed. So I think if you run into some of those kind of issues, I think you could see X get minutes. But I think those are the, the kind of nine tennis uh guys. You obviously John Bain, Books, uh Tripp and Adams along with Jones, uh B C and uh Luke Kennard, Aldama and Williams. I think those are kind of the nine and nine and ten guys that You'll see for the main part, most part, but I think X could get in there depending on matchups and, and some things happening with foul trouble or you having to take Adams off the floor. Uh, but one thing I do want to touch on before we get out of here, uh, the Grizzlies, despite their losing streak, man, are still sitting in second place. I, I think the only thing that losing streak kind of did was probably took their chances of, of, of achieving that number one seed off the table. I mean, it's not completely over their five games back from Denver, but with 25 games left to play, man, that's going to be tough to to catch a team like Denver that barely ever loses. Man, they just seems like they never lose basketball games. <laughs> I mean, you've been rooting for for them to lose all year, man. They even when guys are hurt, they still continue to find a way to lose to win games. So you're five games back of them. So I don't think you're catching them, but you look you look at your rear of uh, Sacramento um, in third seed. You're still three games ahead of them. Uh, the Clippers, you're four games ahead of them. Phoenix four and a half up um, against. Dallas, who is in the sixth seed now, you're five and a half up on them, and you're six games up on a play-in in seventh seed New Orleans. Uh, personally, and I've been talking about this a lot on Twitter, I think they keep the two seed. Um, I know teams like Phoenix and people think teams like Phoenix and L.A. Clippers are going to make this rise, but, I mean, you look at the, the loss column. I mean, the Phoenix is six games back of the Grizzlies right now. Dallas is seven games back. The, the Clippers are six games back. With 25 games left to play, man, that's if the Grizzlies are just played decent to, to good basketball uh, and kind of get back to what they were, would get Steven Adams back and, and get to playing decent basketball, despite March being brutal for them, I, it's going to be tough for those teams to catch. Um, and, and I think it's 
for me, I think it's big for them to hang on to that two seed because that West is going to be a gauntlet. Um, and you kind of think some of these teams improve. We know what Phoenix is doing. I'm not completely sold on Dallas uh, because I think they still have some chemistry stuff to work through, and their defense is going to be in the tank. I mean, when in the playoff basketball, I actually feared them more last year than this iteration of the team. I think the Grizzlies match up better with them now than they did before they made this deal, even though you you have two superstars there with Luka and Kyrie, so they can beat you, but I still kind of feel better about that because they don't have the defense and they're not going to slow the game down, I think, as much as they did in the past. So for me, I think the Grizzlies keep on keep holding this two seed, and having that two seed gives you home court advantage in the second round as well if you do advance, which is no guarantee with how wet down as West is, but you expect the Grizzlies to at least get to the second round. That's what you would hope. And they'd have home court advantage in that series as well. So with the West being as tough as it is, but I think that's big um, if they can, can stay in that two seed. And I think I think they're going to do it. Um, I think they'll win enough games because, again, these teams are six, five, six, seven games back in, in the loss column with 25 games to play. That's a lot of lot of ground to make up. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I think that they're going to stay in the top four, and I think there's a good shot that they, they retain the two seed. Um, the the thing they were fortunate with, see, uh, Sacramento didn't make up much ground on them when they were having that losing streak because Sacramento was struggling as well. Yeah, Grizzlies in, are four and six over the last ten. Sacramento's five and five. The Clippers were six and four. The team that made a run during that losing streak was Phoenix. Phoenix climbed up some spots, and Phoenix, I, dude. I don't even like this sounds terrible because I don't want to say that they got tougher, but you don't add one of the best players in the league and not get better. But their depth took a massive, yeah, yeah, they're they're massive, massive ding. And so it's, I don't know who's going to end up on the final iteration of that roster, but. My my guess is I mean, I'm kind of watching the bottom half of this race more than the Grizzlies because I, I'm comfortable. I think the Grizzlies are going to play good enough basketball to finish with that two, three, or four seed. I don't see them falling outside of that four seed. The last three home games of the season, you got the Clippers uh, two times in a row and then Portland. Portland's in the 12 seed right now but I expect them to be stronger as the second half of the season goes along. And then the Lakers are, are going to be kind of climbing as well because they did get better at the trade deadline. You've got to work out kinks on that. But I, I just – Dallas I'm not scared of, not even a little bit. Luka has to learn how to play with other stars. Luka has an issue trusting his teammates. You can kind of see that if you watch him play any at all. Give me just a second. Excuse me. Yeah, I was gonna say I've talked about that all year with with Luca, and that's why I think it's it, it's I understand why you go get Kyrie, but I think that's a dangerous combination, um, especially with the fact that Kyrie can walk this summer, and if he does, I think you're gonna see Luca start to to get to the point of where he wants out of there because that's you're gonna be over two. You, know, you brought Porzingis in there, that didn't work out. If you bring Kyrie in there, that doesn't work out because they're not gonna win a championship this year. So if if he decides to leave with People in Dallas think that he's going to resign, but I, 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 you can't trust Kyrie from hour to hour, minute to minute. So I, I don't. There's no guarantee that he decides to stay in Dallas. I, I still think if 
if L.A. really wants to make a run at him, that's where he wants to be. I think it has more to do with does L.A. want him there. I, I think if L.A. makes a big push for him, I think he's going to he's gonna entertain that. So I think that's a dangerous situation, the same dangerous game they're kind of playing there in Dallas. I know why they went and got him, but I, I'm not sold that he stays there. Um, and so, but, but they, like you talked about Phoenix, their depth took a big hit as well. I mean, their defense is just going to be going in the tank. I know it's two stars and on any given night, they can beat you because they'll just outscore you. But over a seven game series for the Grizzlies, if the Grizzlies are playing their best basketball, they beat Dallas in a series. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with that. The one thing that they do kind of have going, I think Mark Cuban is kind of different than a lot of the owners in the league. And I feel like. Kyrie and Cuban could build a relationship and that could be something that keeps Kyrie in Dallas. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, I'm not, uh, how did y'all say it? Nah, I'm, I'm good in the West. <laughs> I'm still good in the West. Yeah, I'm all right. Like, I'm all right in the West. We good, like, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> it, it's, there are some holes in this team and there are some things that they have struggled with all year long. But I, I've said it even during that 11-game win streak, I said it, and I'll continue to say it. We have not watched this team play their best, best basketball. This team has not been fully healthy. There have been guys missing all year long in and out. And some of the players that were key to them getting to where they got to last year have not hit stride yet. So – do I think that they cakewalk and they win the championship this year? I I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's not going to be a cakewalk. Like, that's not going to happen. But would I be surprised if they're one of the two best teams heading into the playoffs? No, I wouldn't. Not at all. And, and you were hinting at this a, a second ago. The play-in is going to be those teams, that, that group of teams who falls into that play-in is going to be interesting to watch down the stretch because, I mean, they're – all kinds of possibilities right now. I mean, these teams are yeah, well, you jumbled gotta, up. You you just look at it. Oklahoma City is not going to keep competing. They're going to shut it down here within the next couple weeks. SGA is going to have an injury that's going to shut him down for the yeah, rest of the season. For the, for, for, he's going to have <laughs> a, a strained left toenail, cuticle, something stupid. The, and like tendonitis. Yeah, tendonitis in his Victor Wibanyama. <laughs> Uh, you know, and then Josh Giddy's gonna, you know, be right behind him with the Wibanyama strain. Yeah. <laughs> OKC's gonna shut it down. So they're gonna fall out. Utah, I, I don't know what's gonna happen with that team. They've got some good players. And I, I don't know that they're gonna go fully into tank mode. But even though Los Angeles, the Lakers have been bad, I think that that team can improve. It's what are we going to see from Darvin Ham? He's got to get these new players in, figure out the rotation, and LeBron find ways to, play. to win, win, win games. Yeah, LeBron he, keeps he, sitting every other game. Like I like that's got to stop. If they're going to make a yeah. move, man, he's got to stop and doing he, it. He's like play two he games knows out that, three. Man. And I'm he, like, what is going on? <laughs> and that's you know, Anthony Davis has to play more. It's one of those things where they're going to have to buy in. But from seven to about twelve. I think is really you don't know who you're going to match up with in the first you could, round. And you could hit up with Golden State in the first round. That yeah. definitely that's not what you want. Like I, I, I wanted. I ain't scared because, of it. I'm not I ain't scared, scared of it, but dude. 
I want I want them to be there. And I've said this before, and I predicted this last year at the end of that series. I'm like, next year the Grizzlies are going to be the team that ends that Golden State dynasty. But man, they yeah. just they just can't figure it out, man. I don't know what it is about that team. One thing is is, is Jared and Draymond. Draymond just has Jared's number. I, I don't know what it is, man. It has this mind game over him, but he just struggles against Draymond. And I I love like to see big, him break it's out. It's like of that. a big brother, big brother. brother thing, yeah, man. that's what it is. Yeah, Michigan yeah. State, man, Michigan State guys, but. Uh, I, I would love to see that happen, man, to, to shut those Warriors fans up. Man. That would be awesome for them to knock them out of playoffs. But if I could avoid that in the first round, I would avoid it. I don't want that in the first round. I'll take it in the second round. I don't want it in the first round, no. I want all of it. Bring me all the smoke. <laughs> Golden State in the first round. Golden State yeah, man. in the first round, man. That, that, that's what – Man, I, give, me, give me Minnesota, man. <laughs> Minnesota? Yeah, I don't if, I'm not – yeah, I'm less scared of Minnesota this year than I was last year. Yeah, give me uh, Minnesota. Yeah. So we'll, well go ahead really and give me. Middle. I was gonna say, really give me OKC. I'll take go. I'll take OKC. Dude, they ain't gonna be there. That's that's not even an option. Go get the go get them brooms out, man. We get the brooms out on OKC. Yeah, that that's definitely not happening. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. Like I said, Candace will be back with us soon after the All Star break. Maybe in that first post game, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. The show is on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I am at NBA Deal 21. Candace is at Candace H901. Isaac's going to let you know where you can find him and get us out of here. Yeah, man. Quick conspiracy theories about this uh, team drafting. Like, first of all, Team LeBron is a three point favorite. Like, how do they, they don't even know who's on the teams. And also, if you notice, John Jaron holding up different color jerseys and the only. Job Morant jersey they're selling at that pop-up shop out there is the blue jersey. I got a feeling they already know who these teams are. It's my conspiracy theory because I don't know how you have a line on a game. It, it, it's weird that they that Jared and Job when they held up the jersey at the game against Utah, they just happened to be have one of each team. They were on different teams, so we'll see how but, that plays out. Bro, at but, the uh, forum, I I bought an uh, a Morant All Star jersey at the forum, and I got the yellow one that that uh, yellow fade or whatever. Yeah. So if he ends up wearing the blue one, I'm gonna have a an all star jersey that he didn't even wear. But it's all good. And I don't even care. The jersey's fire. Yeah, but I, that's my conspiracy theory. I think they're just gonna do that for TV. I think they've already know who's gonna be on Team LeBron and Team Team Giannis because I, I don't know how Vegas puts a lot on that game when they know it's just Giannis versus versus LeBron. So they just say LeBron's better, uh, three points better than Giannis. I, I don't know, man. But that's that's gonna be interesting to see. I'll be watching that on Sunday, but I'm excited to kind of about that. They've decided that they're going to do it where they're going to announce the reserves first and the starters last. So nobody feels bad about who gets picked last. Um, that's what the silver announced today that they're going to, going to do. Grown so, ass I know that's what I'm saying, man. Grown man. I'm like, I know no. that's what I'm saying, man. You're protecting these guys. Like just, just do it, man. A-W-F-T, bro. No, I want their feelings hurt. That, uh, I, I, I'm so sorry that you're the top 1% of the top 1% of basketball yeah. players in the world. And you got picked last as the, the best, what is it? 23rd or 24th best basketball player yeah. in the world. So. Oh, you're, you're top 25 in the entire damn world. Cry me a river, bro. I like, that's just soft to me. And I don't know that the players said anything about it. I'm just, ah. When I, when I saw that tweet, I was like, come on, man. He's grown-ass man, man. Yeah, Trying to protect, they, they, protect they, pillars like that. <laughs> but, but anyways, man, uh, yeah. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac double underscore NBA. That's I-S-A-A-C double underscore NBA. Go over to at Ethos Grizzlies. 
Give us a like and a follow. And other than that, man, enjoy All-Star Weekend, man. Your, your Memphis Grizzlies have two All-Stars, man. John Moran, shout-out 12, shout-out 13, Derek Jackson Jr. Uh, so happy to see that for him. And, and we'll be back after the break. Hopefully we'll be a full crew uh, with David Candace and myself. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, but until next time, we go.